3: I
0: just slipped so far. Hope Net Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio,
1: Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. This is the show where conversations save lives, and this is episode 145. My name is Jeff, and it's great that you're here joining us this week for this conversation. Next to me, the guy that you know and love, who has this really high-pitched voice, DW. How you doing, man?
4: I am great. Thanks. I mean, I feel great. I'm not great. I feel great. So that's good.
1: You feel great? I feel great. Well, that is yeah. always good.
4: Yeah, it is. Getting a little more exercise these days because I had to go work with Jason out in the woods and he, he made me sweat.
3: Barely. What kind of exercise? Cutting wood. Cutting, we cutting wood. wood. Tis the season to cut wood. Nice.
4: Yeah. Go out there with chainsaws. You, you get you get a couple men with chainsaws. They get these smiles on their face and they just start tearing into the, into the woods. You know, trees are flying everywhere. It's just absolutely wonderful.
1: That's true. You must have a sharp saw on that thing.
4: Well, yeah, that's what you do. You sharpen it up, and you go out there, and you just slice and dice.
1: Well, I mean, there are probably some guys out there that try to do it with a dull saw, and that probably doesn't work so well.
4: No, they're all Bear fans. That's why. Ouch. Ouch. Well, yeah. We had to go there already. That's like Jay Cutler trying to play football. But luckily, Jason, even though he's a Bear fan, was with a Packer fan in the woods. (laughs) So we were helping him out. We're helping him out, and, and by uh,
3: helping out, I did all the work. Like a
4: typical he did all player. the work, and I did all the glory kind of thing. I just kind of said, "Do this." So I mean, to be good. fair,
3: Rogers isn't even looking that good lately.
4: No, he isn't. I'm just saying. What's their record, though? Not as
3: good as the Vikings. <laughs>
4: Boy, is this a political debate we're in now? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> somehow, somehow, this has taken a whole twist to be weird. <laughs> you know, and just just like Watson, he's political debates. Oh, oh man. And I mean, we're not going there in this program, but I'm just saying. <laughs> well, we can we
3: can unite for a common enemy. Yeah. And that is
4: the Vikings. Yeah, that's okay, we can do that. Okay.
1: Hey, we got Jason back on the show with us this week, man. How's how have things been going with you?
3: You know, things are good. Not only am I a Bears fan, but I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan. I grew up down in Chicago and I'm a Cubs fan. So th- hopefully this is going to be the year. We'll see. I don't want to count my eggs before they hatch, but uh, it's been a, it's been a good year. Dude. I'm a Cub fan. Yeah, you used to be a Bear fan too, so that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but I'm
4: a Cub fan too, and I, <laughs> honestly, I'm waiting for them to lose in the playoffs because I do not know how to cheer any other way. <laughs>
3: You're just looking for an excuse to cheer for another team. No,
4: no, it's just going to be really hard to say wait till next year if they win everything. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, and no, then you could say wait till next century.
4: Yeah, yeah I know, because that's how long God. it took <laughs> for them to win. Yeah, we're just so used to our line of wait till next year. You know, I mean, that's it's true. like I've got it ready. I'm ready to say it. But I can't. But you can't. Yeah, it's like I'm stifled.
1: Yeah, you know, there was a soft spot in my heart for the Cubs last year when it was back to the future year, and I really thought that would have been their year. And now it's just kind of like, well, this is who the Cubs are. So sorry if you're a Cubs fan out there. Are they playing the Mets?
4: I don't even know. Are they playing the Mets at all? I don't know. Because that's, believe me, 69 Mets, loss, big time. (laughs) Disappointment. I hope they're not playing the Mets.
3: (laughs) Well, you keep
1: hoping.
4: I don't know. I don't know anything about baseball.
1: You know who's not playing the Mets? Who? Mike Jewell is back on the
2: show. He's not. I am not. Good to be back with you guys.
1: Yeah, welcome back. And Mike from Relational Integrity, there's so much that we're going to talk about that I think really relates to where you're coming from, your experience. Uh, just some wisdom that you have tonight on the show. So I'm, I'm really glad you're here and excited for tonight's conversation. And, uh, so tonight we're going to chat about this phrase, maybe this terminology that you might have heard. Maybe if you're a parent or you've, you know, been parented this way, uh, the idea of tough love. Now, I was kind of thinking through this week, just different scenarios, different, you know, moments in my life growing up, things that I struggled with and how my parents responded to them. And I have to say, I was, I'm was i glad that I was kind of raised in this environment that used some tough love strategies in parenting. But as I kind of researched out this week and I was looking into, well, what does it mean to do tough love? What are some other you know, lines of thought out there? And I was looking through some of the research and, and things that are out there, articles and stuff on the web. It's not like everybody agrees with this thing of tough love. Dave, have you heard of this phrase, tough love?
4: Oh, I have. I have. And you know what? It, it is important that you define it because some people think it, it means, you know, I got more power than you, so um, I will use my power to control you. And that's not what it is. And yet there are times if you love somebody, you're tough on them. And so our job is not to enable, but to empower. And if you look at those two words, they're hugely different. And empowering We'll have a whole different mind frame to it. So this program, I might use those words, and we can talk about what they mean as we go along.
1: We want you to be part of the conversation with us. Join us on Twitter tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTB. This conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio.
0: Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at Hopenet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. Chat with the live coach anytime at hopenet360.com. Jeff, DW, we got Jason and Mike Jewell hanging out with you guys here tonight on HopeNet Radio. And guys, conversation tonight about tough love. I don't know about you, but growing up, I had parents that did practice some parenting techniques of tough love. I had some times in my life where some of the friends that I was hanging out with, you know, there were things that they were doing that I didn't quite agree with and and so some of the tough love things were kind of distancing a little bit or kind of, you know, pulling them aside and saying, Hey, I you know, what are you doing? What are what's happening? And so there are different examples of tough love that I've experienced in my life, and I'm going to just guess that you guys have probably had moments where you can look back, whether it was parenting or the way that you were parented uh, or coached in your life you know, I, um, that relate to tough love?
4: I don't know. I mean, yeah, certainly. I think if you love people, you're always looking for ways to make them the best they can be. And So there's times, as a teacher and as a dad, uh, the model that I've had in my life is really uh, Second Timothy chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul is trying to teach Timothy how to teach. And he basically says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And he gave them three things to do. Mm. It wasn't one thing. It wasn't. And, and what I find a lot of times is that we tend to want to just stick with one of those. Like we might be a really good reprover, so we do that. We might be a real good rebuker, so we do that. We might be a real good encourager, so we do that. But, but Paul says you do all three of those things. I think if you're going to be somebody who's going to correct somebody else, possibly you need to think, all right, do I need to I- exhort? Do I need to rebuke at this point? What along the journey do I need to do here in order for this person to hear me? And then you do it in a way where they hear you. The goal is not, again, to enable people to stay like they are. The goal is to empower people to become who they should be. And you guys get the, the difference between enable and empower. Does that make sense?
2: Oh, yes, I think so. When you look at what you just said, though, Paul was talking to Timothy, what's really neat about those things that he told him to do. He was talking about their behaviors. He never addressed the identity of the person. And what is so cool about that is that Christ does that with us. I mean, we are his. We belong to him. He, we are who he says we are. Uh, but when we come into tough love, we've got to be careful not to withdraw our, um, our acceptance and, uh, from that person in the midst of tough love. Because you've got to focus on the behavior, not the person's identity. And that was pretty neat what Paul said there.
4: Well, and you just hit something. The idea of somebody, when you're dealing with them, if you feel rejected by the person right. when you're finished... Um Jason somebody you're young have you ever felt when somebody corrected you that you felt rejected by them?
3: I think at times and you know there's sometimes where people didn't I knew they loved me, but the way that delivered it made me feel that
4: way so so you felt like you personally were rejected at that point, yeah, like yeah. you were trash garbage didn 't matter yeah i mean you didn't measure up right see right. that's what we're trying to avoid. What is it that makes someone feel that way i mean any any of us can answer, right. but what is it that makes somebody feel that way that won't, because I'm sorry, Jeff, it's like a political discussion. You you ask one question, I'm going another direction here. <laughs> but but the, the reason I'm going another direction is because when you said, did you experience tough love, I'm trying to put it in context. Yeah.
1: We probably need to define what tough love really is. Take a shot. Tough love, really, when it comes to whether it's parenting or whatever, it's promotion of a person's welfare, especially that of an addict, a child, or a criminal by enforcing certain constraints on them or requiring them to take responsibility for their actions. Another definition might be being cruel to be kind. I know that sounds weird being cruel to be kind but it is in a way it's doing something cruel I mean it's it's applying something that's uncomfortable in a situation where you want to see behavior corrected kind of like we were talking about there Mike
4: but but could it ever be cruel
1: if it's kind I think that's worth discussing Dave Okay we'll discuss it You know cruel has has everything to do with the methodology of applying this this tough love, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about is methodology.
4: Yeah, but I'm not sure cruel would be the word. No,
1: that was just one one definition. It's it's a way to summarize it. Another well, no, one, I agree
4: with you. I know what you're saying. You make it tough on somebody.
1: Well, it is love. Okay. It's tough, which is like hard, which is like uncomfortable. And then there's love, which is supposed to be feel good. So it's the blending of these two words that are like, do they even go together, right? I mean.
4: Okay. You and Jason have child, young children at home. Yep. they're They're learning to walk. Right.
3: Oh, they're they're running almost. Well, one of them does I mean, how when they did, From when they did. Know, I mean, yeah. you can yeah. remember okay. when they did. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay.
4: Do you let them fall, or do you make sure they never fall? I let them fall. I let them fall. Okay. Do you make sure a table's in their way so they hit their chin? No. I make sure there's no objects. Okay. So, see, there to me is the definition of cruel. The different the difference. You might let them fall, but you clear the room so that they don't need stitches. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think there's a difference between between just oh well they should learn to walk and hit their chin on the table. They do. Right. No, I think I think when my kids started walking, we had no little furniture around the whole house. Right. Because they were falling into all of it. So right. it was like, okay, move it all in the basement for now because they're gonna jam their chin on everything yeah. that we've got in the house. I
3: mean, so really what you're saying is that there's a caring intent behind the tough love. Right.
4: That makes it tough love. Hmm. Right. And it's easy to see at that age because someone might say, Are you kidding me? You let your kid fall like that? Right. Yeah. See, if I were in your house though, and you're Child was falling into a table. I'd go, Jason, it's okay to let them fall, but move the table. You know they're going to fall. You know that. You know every person that starts walking is going to fall. Move the table. Make sure there's something so they don't hurt themselves. Because that's where the line is to me. Mm -hmm. And I think you could shrug your shoulders, or any parent can say, "Well, they just need to learn. They need to learn not to do that." No, that's there's a huge difference, and that's why defining these things are, I think, is. Somewhat critical. Well, it kind of goes back to what you were saying
2: about the enablement side of the picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're an enabler, you leave the you leave the table in the room, right? And you're, I mean, you're enabling the person to help the you know destroy themselves in some way, shape, or form, or hurt themselves, and then you blame yeah. them for it. That's
4: right, exactly. And, and they can't help themselves,
2: right? Because well, you left the you know I can't yeah. move the table, yeah. <laughs> and that that's where the issue comes down to at the end. So
1: I don't I don't know if that's enabling though. I mean, I. I left tables and, and I didn't move a whole lot of furniture. There were some pieces of furniture that I did move, but you know, other things you just apply like some kind of padding to it so they don't, you know, cut their chin. But learning to walk, you know, they're usually you know, going around the, the couch or the furniture and just kinda of holding on to it and, and then when they take a step away from it, yeah, they might fall down, but they usually land, you know, on their bottom. So enabling though is more of taking away almost all points of pain so they don't experience any pain. And I think there in itself, there might be an issue with that when it, especially when it comes to parenting that we, we try to remove all forms of pain in a given situation. And we think that's loving, but sometimes that actually just enables behavior to continue and to not take responsibility for their actions. And and that's not really the emphasis of what tough love really is. Right. And I think we should discuss it when we come back here on the show. Join us on the tweet back tonight. Let us know your thoughts. Have you experienced tough love? If you're a parent out there, have you used tough love? When did it work for you? When didn't it work for you? You can share your thoughts on Twitter tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTB. This conversation is heating up here on HopeNet Radio.
0: We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now,
1: back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. DW, we got Jason and Mike Jewell hanging out with us tonight on the show. And all this month long, we are recruiting new coaches for our online crisis chat line. If you're someone that is listening that is just wondering, you know, how can I impact this next generation? What can I do? How can I offer a chance to maybe share my story with somebody and help them get through difficult times in their life? Think about becoming a live coach. Check out hopenet360.com slash coach for more details. You can also shoot me an email at hope at hopenet360.com. Guys, tough love. The idea that we can help someone make changes in their life, whether it's a parent, maybe you're a friend of somebody who is experiencing some difficulties in that relationship. You know, I think of the parent who comes to me and says, I think that my child is drinking alcohol or maybe even experimenting with drugs. And I'm kind of wondering what's the best way to love my child without enabling their bad or their irresponsible behavior. Um, A scenario with a teenager, parents and I that have not been seeing eye to eye And that's putting it nicely constantly at each other's necks and feeling like they're always walking on pins and needles. Um, it's, you know, stuff like this where there's such a struggle, there's a battle going on and you're wondering, okay, how do I best love my child? How do I best love even my parents? How do I best love my friend who is going through some of these things and maybe struggling with temptation and now they're, they're kind of behaving in a way that's not responsible, that is different from the, what you expect uh, and who I'm sure your parents would probably have an issue with you hanging around if they knew some of the things they were doing. And so this idea of tough love, applying tough love, there are times when this is appropriate where it's it's using a form of pain, whether it's socially or it's with other limitations structure wise if you're a parent, you know maybe you ground your child, which means maybe you take away their cell phone, God forbid, or you you know you take away access to the car, whatever i mean there are different ways. That as both friends, as parents, uh, that we apply tough love in our relationships. Dave, we were kind of talking a little bit about pain, good pain, bad pain. Can you talk about that a little bit?
4: Yeah, you know, you know, Jeff, I, I tip my hat to you because you just opened 14 cans of worms here. and That's my job, man. That's what I do. Yeah, I wish we could tackle all of them at once here. But but one of the things that you have to deal with, obviously, in life is, is the idea of good and bad pain. Life is actually painful, and if you run from pain, you're going to be in trouble because you need pain in order to grow and develop as you should. When I was in the hospital years ago, like, you know, operation, and I needed to rehab, and, and I was I can remember as I was rehabbing, it was very painful, and the uh, physical therapist said, you know, that's good, that's good. And then all of a sudden they said, stop. And I said, what? No, that last pain, I could see it in your face, that was a bad one. Hmm. And, and they explained to me, there, there's bad pain and there's good pain. You're going to need to go through the good pain in order to get well. And the good pain is good for you. It's like lifting weights. Your your muscles are sore a little bit, that kind of thing. They're building themselves. That's good pain. It builds you. That's good. And what we have to do as parents is be committed to the idea that we're not trying to shelter our children from good pain. We're not trying to do that. We're trying to shelter them from bad pain. And the bad pain is the stuff that destroys so, so when you lift weights, if you lift them wrong, you're going to rip your muscles out of your, I mean, that's, now, now that's bad pain. There's a, there's a time where that same feeling of pain turns destructive rather than constructive. And so you want to watch that, and you want to, as a parent, be careful to understand the difference and have a goal in mind that, that good pain is what you want. Now, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but that's really very important to understand as you're dealing with people.
3: As I'm sitting here thinking, as you're talking, you know, and and we're talking about good pain, bad pain, you know, using a different verbiage that we see in Scripture, we're really talking about discipline, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in 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 the context of family. You know, when me as a parent, you know, I'm trying to show, you know, this tough love we're talking about, really what I'm doing is I'm trying to discipline my children so that they get it, you know, and I think... Discipline—it seems like—isn't a word that we use a whole lot anymore, and so we come up with this new phrase, "tough love." But at the core of it, isn't it isn't it discipline we're talking about? And that's a biblical, you know, principle that we can look to. Pleasant, is it? No, I I mean, I wouldn't say so. You know, I mean, you look at Hebrews 12, you know, Hebrews 12, um, let me think, 11. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. There you go. Later on, however, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, so right there, we're talking about that pain you were talking about, you know, because just as we receive discipline from our parents or maybe from our good friends or family, you know, it's the same sort of discipline and tough love that God shows us. You know, and the reason that God shows us that is so that we can learn through it and become more faithful to him.
2: You, you know? know, there's a great example in the scriptures, uh, Well, excuse me, it really was in the the Old Testament, the Jewish tradition was once that child became 13 and the Bar Mitzvah happened, there was a point to be around that child, um, they called him a minion, where a group of uh, probably uncles and dad and uh, some respective members of the family would sit down with the child from time to time and <clears throat> the child would say, I'm... I'm thinking about this or I'm thinking about that and they they all give their advice to the to the child but the child had to make the decision mm. and if he made a decision that caused pain that caused his life to to be upset those those gentlemen did not abandon him they came back around him and said okay here's where we're at now now here's here's more advice here's more alternatives they're actually training the child to go through the process like a parent should with their child to go through the process of looking Okay, you're going to make a mistake, but that's good pain. If you, if you fail in these small areas of life, we're here to help you, to set you back up. Right. So they allowed them to fail, yep. but they were there and kept them away from taking a major decision that, was, that could be destructive right. in some way, shape, yeah. or form. Remember, One wonderful the, example.
4: Yeah, there, there's, a, there, there's a big difference between education and conditioning. Yes. And and we need to understand the goal is education, but you condition to get there. Yeah. A child may not understand something, so you may say, "If you touch the stove, Johnny, I'm going to spank your hand." The goal is never that he doesn't touch the stove because you're going to spank his hand. And when he's 30 years old, if he's not touching the stove, he's looking around making sure you're not there so he can touch the stove. You have not succeeded. So it, it, you know, but the pain, yes, is a temporary measure. Eventually, you want him not to touch the stove with his hand because he'll burn his hand and you need him to make that decision without the fear of being hurt by you. So, you know, in that sense, what you're doing is creating an atmosphere where there's purposeful pain to avoid dangerous pain. Yeah, it goes back to the discipline that James was talking about because
2: you... You have to, that tough
4: love aspect has to have some of that
2: discipline involved in it. So it's a combination of all these different factors coming together to, to but as uh, a parent, help that
4: child. As a parent, you're not successful because your child doesn't touch the stove because he's afraid to get spanked. You're successful when they don't touch for the right reason. That's right. And, and, and maybe next section we can talk more about that, Jeff, because the high school young person is concerned with mom and dad, you know, walking on pins and needles, that kind of thing. See, some of the problem is is that we've conditioned young people, and we want to control them that way, but we have not yet educated them, and there's some tension because of that, because we think we're successful because they didn't do it, but we're not successful because they didn't do it for the wrong reason, and now we need to... Uh, understand how to move it from conditioning to education. And that is a mouthful. So I'll let you take it over, Jeff.
1: That is a mouthful. And I think, you know, as someone who is more on the line of a new parent versus someone who's well-seasoned, I don't have teenagers. I've been around teenagers. I've worked with teenagers. I've helped mentor teenagers through many years. But having your own teenagers is much different. Having your own young adults uh, as kids, it's a different world. And so when we're talking about tough love, I think there are some parents that have the tough part down really well, but they don't have the love part down really well. Or there's some parents that have the love part down really well, but they don't have the tough part down really well. And when we don't have both of those working hand in hand, we get something that's not tough love, and yet we call it tough love. And it actually doesn't help bring about education and real understanding of how to process through the behaviors that we need to correct in our life. So we're going to talk about this when we come back in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Jump on the tweet back with us, hang out with us, chat with us. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. And we'll be back in the second half of HopeNet Radio.
0: Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by GroundWire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com.
1: Every teen needs positive interactions every day. It's why many teens visit the online crisis chat line powered by GroundWire. Through GroundWire, adults like you volunteer two to four hours per week sharing wisdom and encouragement with young people searching for that one positive voice in a world blaring with negatives. You could be that positive voice. We're adding 20 new coaches to our online coaching team. Learn more at hopenet360.com slash coach.
4: Hi, this is Dave Wager, a voice you normally hear on HopeNet Radio. And when I'm not doing radio, one of my favorite things to do is teach at the Nicolet Bible Institute. I invite you to check out this one-year Bible and service program at nicoletbibleinstitute.org.
0: It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at hopenet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio,
1: Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. If you miss any part of this conversation this week, subscribe to the HopeNet Radio podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Check out HopeNet360.com slash podcast. Also at HopeNet360.com, we have live coaches that you can chat with anytime, day or night. And if you're a teenager, maybe young adult, parent that's listening tonight on the show, and you've got stuff in your life that you just need to unpack with somebody, someone that's safe, someone that may understand where you're coming from, or that will just give a listening ear to you, our life coaches are great for that at HopeIn360.com. Jeff, DW, we've got Mike Jewell and Jason hanging out with you guys on the show. And we're talking about this difficult topic of tough love. We're going to take a couple of weeks and look at what it means to love. In a way that's tough, and what that actually means, because sometimes we think loving people means giving them what they want, even when their behavior doesn't really reflect a behavior that I want to reward. Yet, a lot of times we think, whether it's a parent or we're a friend of somebody else, we want to keep them happy. And so, the best thing I could do is to just love them, even though they are imperfect. Everybody's imperfect, right? So, why would I have to put any pain or any kind of limitations on relationship or any expectations? Because, you know, in reality, I don't know that I could live up 100% to those expectations. And, and there's a concept out there called tough love. We've been talking about this, unpacking it. And I have young kids. I'm still considered maybe a new parent. Uh, my son will be five in just a couple of weeks. The other son will be three. And and so there's some that are listening that are like, yeah, my kids are teens. Uh, you don't quite understand where I'm coming from. And, and so, you know, tough love may or may not work for me. It might work for you, Jeff, but it, it's not something that I would recommend, you know, in my teen years. And some parents are like, well, tough love, uh, helped my son get back on track with his grades and the relationships he has in his life and some of the things that he's responsible for around the house. Now things are picking back up. And, There was a time that was really difficult, and so that worked for us. And, Dave, I know I I said those things. I know you had a thought on that. Maybe you can share just some of the insights to help a young parent like me.
4: Yeah, I think you're always creating a normal at your home. One of the things you want to do from a very young age is create a normal of communication with your children. You want to be able to talk to them about everything. Watch how you respond to things. They live in a world where they're going to see things that are not right. And if it knocks you off your chair, they, they may not talk to you about it. You need to be able – in other words, they may see something on the computer. They may be eight years old and see something on the computer that's just absolutely vile, absolutely wrong. And they go, hey, what's this? You need to not run over there, grab the computer, throw it on the floor, and overreact at that point. You need to turn it off and then talk to them. Here's what's going on because – this dialogue you're creating, this, this idea of discuss with me anything that you see, anything that you don't understand, and, and, and I want to be a part of your life is very important. And now when the kids get older, as they get older, they will be used to having you a part of their life, and when they're confused about something, they'll be used to coming and talking to you about it. You know, I'm confused about this, I'm confused about that. Now they've, you've entered into a different kind of relationship because you've allowed yourself to enter into this different kind of relationship from an early stage. And if your kids are older and you haven't done it, well, it's time to start talking to them and entering into their conversations and into their worlds a little bit. Uh, you don't want to rush in there and do it all at once, but you, you do want to start making a normal Out of um, discussing life and what's going on, and make it a normal part of your life rather than something that, again, I've said it through the years and I could be totally wrong. And maybe, Mike, you've done it differently, or Jason, maybe you've done it differently. I had it done differently, and, and Jeff. But sometimes we formalize our Christianity. So we sit at the table and for 15 minutes we have a quick devotion, that kind of thing, and I'm not against that. But then the rest of the time we never talk about things. And and what we want to do is make it a normal part of our life, the the normal part of what we're learning, the normal part, so that it's normal to question things. It's normal to look into the scriptures for answers. It's normal to dialogue about things. Right. And you can do that from the time your kids are young and should be so that when they get to be high school. And if not, you can go to your high school kids now and say, you know what, I think I failed as a, as a, as a parent when you were young. Here's what I didn't do, but I'd like to do. Would you help me get there? Right. Now now you're recruiting them. You
3: know, and that and that even goes beyond just, you know, parent to to child relationships. That's I mean, that's really the premise of this show is is having those conversations. Because if I wanted to show you tough love, Dave, but I never had conversations with you, I never, you know, spent the time with you and then all of a sudden I come and show you tough love, that isn't tough love. No. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel the love side of that. You're gonna be like, Who's this guy that's ridiculing me about something in my life? Right, You know, and so it, it, it goes the same, this whole premise of tough love and, and stuff. You have to have that relationship and intentionality from the start in order to show people that love, in order to show people and, and do it together. You know, otherwise it just comes across as, you know, me being better than you. So and let's that's say I manipulate
4: for. you, though, and, and say, well, if you really love me, you'll let me do something. And, and whatever it is, it's going to harm me. Well, so if- now I'm, I'm putting the parameters on how you can love me. And if I call it love and you call it love, then here's what I see. Otherwise, you're mean. Well, that's not good either. Yeah. So, so the definitions are important. Have, exactly. We, it's, it's important that we can't, we can't allow uh, manipulation to take place.
2: When, there, when there's a negative behavior out there, the person conducting the behavior is looking for something. There's a reason behind that behavior. An example, I'll just use an example in a, in a family. And you have a teenager that's out there looking to build their identity, trying to figure out who am I and what am I doing, and leads them off into these other groups or maybe into behaviors that are not helpful for them. Let me pull the Christian card out a minute and it really comes down to you know, being Christ to that person. Christ has given us everything we need. I mean the scriptures are clear. Everything that we're accepted, we're significant, we have security, we have all the things that we need to get through life. And nine times out of ten, the person with those behaviors that are destroying their lives, they're really searching for what they need in life. Now if you can give that person what Christ has given you, acceptance, significance, you know, security, you give those things to that person. While holding them accountable to their behaviors, they actually are drawn to you. There's something different about you. But
4: if you're getting those things from that person, you're dangerous. If you're getting significance and etc. from your children, then what happens is you want them to succeed, even on the surface, so you can feel good about yourself. And now you're in That's trouble. That's backwards, right? Yeah, exactly right. Trouble right
2: there. Yep, you're exactly right. That's completely backwards from where you want to be. Then all of a sudden, you're expecting other people
4: to meet your expectations. That's not the case. So, I are mean, there parents who want their kids to behave? For them?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so that could be
4: very backwards and dangerous. Exactly.
2: But that child out there has to look at it and be able to see, because this uh, parent is behaving this way, my relationship is with Christ. He's given me what I need, right. and I can, I can look past that.
1: Guys, that's so true. So much that you could said in there, and I wanted just to just to talk about what tough love isn't. Tough love in itself, we get the tough part down, or we get the love part down, but we don't always get both of them together. And some of the things that tough love isn't, tough love isn't disrespectful. It's not angry, even though we might feel some sense of angry, some emotions that are angry. It's not vengeful. It's not spiteful. It's not malicious. It's not aggressive, and it's not unfounded. And some of the unfounded part of it, that's kind of one of the things you were alluding to there, was this idea of preferential parenting, where we would prefer it to be this way. It's it's kind of like it, it's not it's the non-issue. And I know we have this. We have. We all have some kind of quirk about it. You know, maybe it's, Dave, it's how you stack wood. But, you know, there are some ways that we think, you know, they have to do it this way. It's This is how I've done it all the time. And that isn't something. So I want to talk about this when we come back and wrap the show up. We have an interview with a good friend of ours tonight. So keep it locked in here on the show. Join us on the tweet back tonight. Use that hashtag HNRTB and check out the show notes at HopeNet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going
0: through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at Hopenet360.com. This is Hopenet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to
1: Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Tonight we're sitting down with Jim
5: Breeden. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. How are <laughs> you doing, Jeff? I'm doing well, Jim. How are you, man? Doing great. It's been a, a long week, but I'm trusting God right now. <laughs> Tonight, we
1: want to talk a little bit about your testimony. We share stories on this show on HopeNet Radio. Stories are things that impact people's lives. Every one of us has a story. Would you just share a little bit about some of your background and some of where you came from and, and how you began your faith journey with Christ? Did you grow up in a Christian home?
5: Yes. It was something that I really took for granted. But overall, that, I, I lived... Uh, a life. I went to church every Sunday, listened to messages. I went to um, one of the local classes on, on theology within our church and got to know God a little bit, but it never ended up translating into my life. Uh, so I was a person that honored my mom and my dad and did things the right way because I didn't want to dishonor my parents. Uh, my mom was a, a believer. Uh, my dad made a promise to uh, go to church But he wasn't all that active, you know, other than just going on Sundays. And so what was the journey like for you through your teen years? Uh, Through my teen years, um, I was one of those outcast kind of kids. Mostly because I did all of the right things and I didn't do drugs and I didn't do alcohol and I didn't swear. You know, so I had a, I guess you could say a morally righteous looking life, but I was kind of on the outside. I, I had a hard time getting in. Uh, with people,
1: so your faith did it maintain strong through your teen years, or was there a point where you kind of questioned some things? Or what was your faith journey like through that and then into your twenty-somethings? Because I understand too, you went in the military and served for some time as well. And
5: yeah, so when I got older, after the middle school ages, you know, I ran into some of the same struggles that all middle school guys or excuse me, high school guys run into. I was starting to get interested in women i just wanted to um i guess be accepted like anybody else but i knew that there was a right way and a wrong way to go about doing things but i also struggled i had a relationship with uh, one other person it was a healthy relationship i saw things going a little bit further than what she did and then i got dumped and it was kind of a surprise to me Hmm. then i left off and i headed out into the military you served for how many years I served for about 21 months, uh, 14 days, and about 12 hours, I ended up getting ulcerative colitis. So basically the story there, you know, like I said before, my my walk was mostly to honor my mom and my dad. So I had memorized a lot of scripture, got to know who Jesus was. Because of that, I never really questioned my faith. But when you're honoring your mom and your dad and you're not honoring God, making the right choices becomes much more difficult uh, because they weren't there to provide guidance for me anymore. When I was uh, in in high school, I never swore, never did drugs, never did alcohol or anything like that. Uh, But then I was in the service, and uh, some things kind of came up, the broken spirit. I ended up using uh, a racial slur to right a wrong with a wrong, which never works. Mm. Uh, So I ended up finding out who all of my friends were and who all of my friends were not. And I basically isolated myself because a lot of my friends couldn't talk to me anymore because they didn't want to be associated with that. And then all of the people that were actually racist were applauding me because they were talking about this guy being a jerk. And I remember when I said it, my heart just kind of broke. It was like completely empty. And I'm like, God, why did I do that? God started to speak to me in the middle of that brokenness. At the same time, I also ended up getting ulcerative colitis, uh, which is kind of like Crohn's disease. I was bleeding uh, internally going to the bathroom sometimes 24 times a day uh, so I was no longer fit for service we don't know exactly what started it uh, but during this time frame um, when I was in the service I was as a result of what I had said beat in my sleep I uh, didn't know anything that was going on there my roommate pointed a AK-47 look-alike at me I knew that one wasn't loaded he also pointed a 45 caliber pistol at my head and Now that I look back, I'm thinking maybe that's what triggered it. I really met the full spectrum of evil, and I really was part of the full spectrum of what is not good and what is not right. Uh, And I believe God pulled me out of the service uh, to uh, just keep me safe in some ways because he had a bigger plan for me but I didn't know it yet. Tune in next week to hear part
1: two of our conversation with Jim and his testimony here on HopeNet Radio. You can still join the tweet back tonight. Hang out with us on Twitter. Just use the hashtag HNRTB. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio.
0: Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now back to Jeff and Dave.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. Wrapping things up with you tonight here on the show. We're going to take another week, maybe another week after next week, in talking about this very huge topic of tough love. Jeff, DW, we've got Mike Jewell and Jason here on the show with you guys. Guys, it's been a great conversation. Mike, we are chatting in the break about some of the fruits of applying tough love in ways that are wrong. Can you talk about some of the things that in your experience or maybe in ways that you coach both parents or teenagers in, in applying forms of tough
2: love? What kind of fruit you want to see and what things you don't want to see? Oh, sure. When you look at the relationships of any kind, and a lot of times you're exercising tough love because there's been something damaging done to the relationship. When you drill that down on both sides of the equation, the parents, maybe the teenager, everybody's looking for the same thing, acceptance. Hmm. When a parent goes to a teenager and says, I'm exercising tough love or discipline in this way, but it's because they want that teenager to accept them, not because they want to give love to that teenager. They want to build into that teenager. They want to strengthen their character, whatever the reason may be. They just want to do it because it's making me look bad the way you're behaving. Hmm. Now, they're expecting the teenager to react in acceptance of their direction. And they don't get it. They feel rejected. And they pull back and pull away. Same thing on the teenager side. They're going to push the limits onto the parents and saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. What are you going to do about it? They're looking for acceptance. Does my parents love me enough? to be able to come back to me and be able to to correct me Hmm. and drive me in the right direction for my life or not. And they may not even know, they may not even be able to verbalize that, but deep down in the center of their heart, they're looking for that acceptance. Will our parents do that and do it in the right way for the right reasons? And that's where you get involved in a lot of these uh, problems of um, parent-child relationships where both sides feel rejected and they just pull away, yeah. and they all expect the other person to fix the problem, and it won't get fixed, and there's a gap, and it just grows, and it gets deeper, and, uh, and the conflict just continues to go up. Whereas the answer for the whole thing is that we're, getting, we're looking for our acceptance in the wrong places. Christ is the only one that can accept us unconditionally. Sin has damaged both lives, the teenager's life and the parent's life. Sin is there, and you've got to come to the understanding that I'm a sinner, Hmm. And uh, and when you get to that whole thing, only Christ can accept me the way I'm looking to get accepted by my teenage daughter or looking to get accepted by my parents. Only Christ can give me what I'm looking for. And I need to go there first and give tons of grace then to the parent or the teenager involved in, uh, in the conflict and say, I love you, I- I'm going f- through this because I don't want your life to get ruined, you're doing it all for the right reasons. That is a big part of it, Jeff, as we look at how rejection enters into those relationships. Everybody, both sides, are looking to be accepted.
1: Oh, that's great. Jason, what are some of your final thoughts?
3: We've talked about a lot on the show today, and I think we're going to be talking about this for for the next couple weeks. I think the thing that we need to keep in mind as we we open up discussions is the importance of being intentional in relationships, so you can get to the point of being able to express and experience tough love. You know, because outside of the context of genuine relationships, I think it gets skewed and and, and it falls apart. Without relationship, tough love isn't tough love. It's just me abusing my power over you. So in order for you to truly care about somebody, and we've talked about this in a previous show, it needs to be selfless there needs to be an expression of love without any expectation of return right now be intentional on building that relationship for the people you love so that you can you know maybe you're not having those conversations just start having those conversations it's never too late to start having conversations and talking about things that matter you know things more than just bantering about the packers and bears you know that's fun that's that's we laugh at it but get into conversations that are are more meaningful that have more eternal value and then all of a sudden you'll it'll open up doors for you to share tough love with people and really help each other and spur each other on to grow in your relationship with Jesus.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I want our listeners to realize is you can never legislate righteousness. You can't legislate love. You can't do that. You can come and you can give people rules and you can lay down rules for yourself and it doesn't correct your heart. Um, The most important thing that you can do is understand that our job in life is to love God and enjoy Him and listen to Him. And then to love other people and, and, and help make them successful. Because we're humans, and the second part has to do with this human to human interaction, I'm not sure we always do it right. I would encourage you, if you're wondering if you're doing it right, to actually tell your kids that. There were, were times when my kids were younger where I just had to say, look, you know, I'm dad. I love you. The reason I'm doing this is because I love you and I could be doing everything wrong, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to give it a try. And, you know, half the time they give you a big hug and smile like, yeah, you are an idiot, but thank you very much <laughs> Um, because I care for him. You know, I mean, and that's what you're trying to portray. You're not trying to portray perfection. There's, there's no perfection in any of us. But that doesn't mean that you don't go and look and try and figure out what you can do. And if you do something wrong, just say, oops, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's yeah. try plan B here. And there's no way that you can go back and recreate everything, so work at loving God and and giving that example of what it looks like to love God and having relationships, real relationships when they're not there, Correct your life and get them there, and see what happens and see if God doesn't bless that because everything good is relational
1: man, so much that we can continue on in this show tonight in discussion, but one of the thing one of the thoughts that I want to leave you with those who are teenagers and maybe you've got a difficult situation going on at home, you know, your parents and you don't see eye to eye and a lot of things lately. And, and you just feel like, you know, man, this relationship is just strained. I just want to survive. I just want to fly under the radar for at least an hour. You know, I want to encourage you with a, with a, just a passage in Ephesians six, and you can check it out for yourself. Six one says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. And this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. In the same manner, though, in in verse 4, this is Paul writing. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. We have to understand if we're going to apply tough love, you can't just apply the tough or the love. You have to do it together. Otherwise, it will not work. And it will do exactly what Mike said in bringing you out feelings of rejection, uh, making you feel like the only way you can get through it is by isolating yourself and withdrawing from a relationship. That does not work. This show is all about conversations that save lives. Have conversations in, in a significant way this week. Take some time and have some real conversations, heart-to-heart times. And I just want to empower you to do that this week. That's all for us here on the show. We're out of time. I can't believe it this week, guys. We are out of time, but that is all for us here tonight on HopeNet Radio. You can download this and past episodes for free on our website. Subscribe to our podcast at hopenet360.com slash podcast. The live Twitter chat is on 24-7 at hopenet360.com or by using the hashtag HNRTB. And you can follow us on most social platforms at hopenet360.com. Slash connect. From all of us here on HopeNet Radio, make each conversation count this week. You could save a life. We'll see you next time.
3: Bye bye. Later. Bye.